You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. Medicine overseas, what are the major differences? Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I am Dr. Renee Matthews, your host, and with me today is Dr. Victoria Jennings. Dr. Victoria Jennings is the director of Georgetown University's Institute for Reproductive Health. She has more than 20 years experience in the international family planning and reproductive health fields. In addition to directing the Institute for Reproductive Health, she's also a professor at Georgetown University Medical Center. Dr. Jennings, welcome to our program. Thank you very much. Dr. Jennings, you've worked in 20 different countries. Can you tell us what countries you've worked in? Uh, yes, I guess I do have to sort of keep track of that, don't I? <laughs> um, I have worked most extensively in Latin America, but I have also worked in Africa, in a number of countries in Asia, and in Europe, and of course in the United States. Fortunately, I would have to say I do direct, as you said, the Institute for Reproductive Health at Georgetown University which means I'm not alone in this. So uh, we have a staff of, uh, of about 20 professionals who also do this work, who work in a wide variety of countries, and we have a number of offices in the countries where we are, are most engaged at this particular time. Could you describe some of your experiences in these different countries? Well, of course, the, the, our experiences differ dramatically depending on the country. I could cite, for example, uh, a number of countries in Africa, but let's, let's talk about Rwanda, which is a country that a lot of people in the United States are aware of because of some very tragic events that have happened in that country in the last couple of decades. But in reality, Rwanda is a country that is quite, quite bustling these days and has a very active and interesting family planning program. Uh, one that is focusing very much on making family planning methods very widely available to the entire Rwandan population. So one of the interesting experiences that we have had is being able to, uh, with funding that we receive from the United States Agency for International Development, to work in Rwanda with the Ministry of Health, with other community-based organizations and professional associations, to include fertility awareness-based methods, particularly the standard DACE method, into what you would call the method mix, the the methods of family planning that are available. Rwanda, as in most developing countries, the situation is that the majority of family planning services are provided by the Ministry of Health or the, the public health sector rather than the private sector, which is certainly different from here in the United States. So that that is certainly one experience. India is another very interesting experience. I think your listeners are probably aware that India is right there with China as one of the two most populous countries in the world with over a billion people. So it's a challenge to to do anything in India, but also incredibly rewarding because you have so many people to work with and, and so many very competent, caring professionals as well. So the Indian family planning program for several decades has really focused on sterilization, on female sterilization primarily, but also male sterilization. And there's been very little emphasis on child spacing or birth spacing. But recently, I would say within the last five years or so, the Indian government as well as the Indian healthcare community has recognized that there really is a need for birth spacing methods. So working with our colleagues there in universities, um, in the public sector, in the private sector, et cetera, to include 
birth spacing methods, in, in our particular case, uh, fertility awareness-based methods like the standard days method and the two-day method into the Indian program has been a, certainly a challenge. In India, many people just equate contraception or family planning with sterilization. That's just what it is. But there is a, there's a change now, and I think um, a lot more emphasis on offering choices and recognizing that young couples have a very different need in terms of birth spacing, etc. So again, with support from the U.S. Agency for International Development, we've been able to work closely with a number of organizations in India and I think are beginning to make a difference there. These methods are now, the standard days method rather, is now included in the the national norms as one of the methods that should be offered in family planning programs and cycle beads are readily available in India. So it's a it's a very interesting situation from that standpoint. Now are there special considerations and concerns that play into family planning and birth control efforts in other countries? Certainly there are always issues of access and availability of commodities and supplies. It's not at all unusual, for instance, for programs, family planning programs, to simply run out of oral contraceptives, either because of logistics problems or purchasing problems or whatever. So that is something that is is definitely being addressed by the international reproductive health community with the U.S. Agency for International Development, with the United Nations programs and other donors uh, paying special attention to the availability of commodities and supplies. Of course, one of the, one of the benefits, if you will, of fertility awareness-based methods, um, is that they really are very, very low impact when it comes to commodities. Cycle beads are important to have for the standard days method, but it's just a one-time thing, you know, and, and then you, you have your cycle beads and you don't need any more. And with the two-day method, there's really nothing at all that, that the woman needs other than information. Some of the concerns in international family planning, yes, indeed, they are somewhat different from what we experience here in the United States. For example, one of the concerns that many programs have around the world is simply a, a lack of availability of contraceptive supplies. It's not at all unusual for programs in developing countries. These programs primarily rely on donors to provide contraceptive supplies, and it's not at all unusual for them to simply run out of, for example, oral contraceptives. So that certainly is a concern that one doesn't often experience here in the United States. I would point out that with regard to the fertility awareness-based methods that we work with primarily at the Institute for Reproductive Health at Georgetown, one of the benefits is that it is Neither of those methods, either the uh, the standard days method or the two-day method, really involve tremendous input in terms of logistics and supplies. So that's a benefit, but certainly there are many women who want to use other methods as well, and that's an issue that these programs are constantly addressing. Another issue, of course, is that in many developing countries, most family planning services are provided at the community level by community-based health personnel who are, who are not highly trained, but who are often very skilled in offering family planning services and counseling. But it is an issue with supervision and with proper training of these personnel. 
so, well, obviously training and supervision is important here in the United States as well to maintain quality. It, it takes on another dimension when you're really talking about a rural health worker who may herself be rather low literacy and does require special support to be able to provide a high-quality service. So those are two things that are quite different. Another issue, I think, that is very different in many countries, and I'll focus here just for the moment at least on Africa. In the United States, for example, about 85% of women who are at risk of pregnancy or, or who are sexually active are using some form of family planning. And in many African countries, that can be as little as 5%. So just imagine that difference and think of the magnitude of the effort that is needed to really bring family planning to programs in Africa. So, Dr. Jennings, you said that you've worked in Latin America. How is that compared to the U.S.? Well, Latin America is, of course, a very, it's quite a varied region in itself. I could provide, for example, our experiences working in Ecuador, where we have been, we have worked over the years with a nonprofit family planning organization called Simoplus that is um, a very high quality professional organization that works in very rural Andean communities as well as in the capital city of Quito and many other places around the country. With support from the U.S. Agency for International Development, once again, we have been able to work with Simoplus over the years to help them address the needs of the wide range of patients who they see on a regular basis, some of them in the community, some of them in the clinic, some of them very low literacy, some of them with advanced degrees. So that's, that's really been a very interesting challenge as well. It's quite, quite interesting to work in a country in which the people who live in that country, there's so much variation in terms of their interests and needs and capacity. Are there any memorable success stories from any of the overseas clinics that you've worked in that you might like to share with us? Oh, yes. I think we've had many successes, and I think that there are, are many successes uh, still to come. I would say, for example, when we first started working, it was very interesting, a number of years ago in Bolivia with the standard days method, and we were in a very indigenous community up in the highlands in Bolivia, and uh, describing the standard days method to the leaders of this particular community in which we were getting ready to work alongside the Ministry of Health, the mayor of the community said to us when we had finished our, our explanation, he said, why didn't you come here 20 years ago? Do you know how different my life would have been if I had known this then? It was very exciting, and he was very determined that he was going to make these methods available in his community. He really saw that there was a need for it, and, and that was very interesting. It seems like a small success, but indeed I think it sets the tone for the way a lot of communities regard these methods, uh, fertility awareness-based methods or other family planning methods when they are first introduced. Now, have you had any specific challenges as you went through these travels in the different clinics? Well, I think working internationally certainly does present challenges of its own. Obviously, there are issues of resources. There's a lot of politics, um, just I guess as there is in, in virtually any field, virtually any place. But it is very important for people to keep in mind that you're working in different kinds of cultural situations and that things that you might say or do in one setting are not necessarily appropriate in another. It's very important to be very respectful of the people and the, the situations that they confront. So there are a number of challenges. 
And of course, when you're working internationally, you obviously are somewhat cut off, you might say, from some of the support system that you normally experience in your professional life. You can't necessarily just pick up the phone or shoot an email from your BlackBerry to whoever, although that's <laughs> changing. The uh, digital world is, is definitely uh, coming to many countries. The challenges are definitely there, but I think the rewards are there as well. Uh, Dr. Jennings, where can our listeners find out more information about these methods? Well, the most comprehensive source for information about fertility awareness-based methods, particularly the standard days method and the two-day method, would be the website for the Institute for Reproductive Health which is www.irh.org. I want to thank Dr. Victoria Jennings, who has been our guest, and we have been discussing current issues in women's health internationally. I am Dr. Renee Matthews, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.